Hello, you're listening to the Professional Dork Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Werner, and today's story is an attempt at some more long-form storytelling. So it's going to be divided into sections, part one, part two, and so on. In tonight's tale, a young woman's wedding is crashed by a cyborg. It's called Primary Directive. Sit back and enjoy! Ella never wanted a perfect wedding. Growing up, she didn't want one at all, planning instead to run away with her paramour of choice and not deal with all the hassle. Too many meaningless details to stress over, too much opulence to pay for, on a day that was supposed to be happy? Ella found the whole ritual counterproductive and wanted no part of it. But then she became engaged and her mind changed completely. Though her fiancé laughed at her, Ella declared it was a woman's prerogative to change her mind and soothed her conscience by making the ceremony a small affair. A tiny church close to the laboratory where her mother worked, a few decorations, and a simple yet elegant white dress were all that was needed, and only family and a few close friends would be in attendance. There was a certain amount of stress, of course, involved in any event, but Ella and her fiancé, Howard, kept it small enough to be manageable, determined not to ruin the special day with worries about flowers, cake, and bridesmaids' dresses. After all, a few months of married life and none of those things would matter. So she and Howard planned their wedding as thoroughly as they could, but when the day came, they threw their hands into the air and said, what will be, will be. Control was in the hands of others now. They were busy getting married and didn't particularly care if it was perfect. And if Ella were to tell the truth, it wouldn't have been perfect if there wasn't just a little bit of chaos. Stop that! Kenneth! We have to iron your suit! It's fine like this! And I'm not wearing the stupid tie! It's your sister's wedding! You'll wear what I tell you, or... Laughing, Ella stuck her head into the hallway where her mother and little brother were bickering. He doesn't have to wear the tie, Mom. But Ken, you'll regret it if you're the only wrinkly one when we take the family photo, so let her iron the jacket at least. Ken shrugged off the suit coat and handed it to his mother, but still made a face. Oh, like she can iron anything. She'll just make Jack do it. Ella frowned. Where is Jack anyway? I haven't seen him all morning, and I wanted to give him something before the ceremony. I sent him out to check on the flowers, since they're an hour late. And redecorate the church hall, and bake extra cookies for the reception, and tie ribbons on all the little programs. Their mother was immune to Ken's annoyed huff. She's making him do everything. Ella raised an eyebrow. Why, Dr. Evans, you seem to care a lot about this wedding. Going to such effort... Now her mother looked chagrined. What was it you always said about weddings? A sexist, hypocritical display of extravagance that... Oh, be quiet. Her mother chuffed. You wanted to go through with this. Don't say I never indulged you in anything. Wouldn't dream of it, Ella said with a dry grin. But I want my family to have fun too. Quit sending Jack on all these errands and let him enjoy himself. He's a robot, came the eternal protest. He can't enjoy anything. 
I disagree, unless you programmed him to hum Here Comes the Bride while dusting yesterday. Ella ignored the face her mother made. Dr. Evans was the most renowned robotics expert in the country, but despite her scientific curiosity, her mother was a control freak at her core. The idea that one of her robots could act outside of the programmed parameters made her uncomfortable. Which was slightly ironic, as she had designed Jack specifically to be able to reason and make intuitive leaps of logic, and thus take action that the creator might not have expressly outlined. His primary function was as a bodyguard and caretaker for Ella and her brother, and his programming allowed Jack to make decisions as fluidly as any human being. It was necessary to Jack's purpose, but having an artificial intelligence so advanced was unheard of, and as far as Ella knew, nothing like Jack had ever been created since. Though technology and computers continued to advance around him, Jack's circuits and programming remained one of a kind. He was Dr. Evans' crowning achievement, but Ella knew that her mother was suspicious of anything she couldn't control, and distrustful when Jack displayed behavior that could be construed as independent thought. Sometimes Ella wondered how the woman ever endured them as toddlers. I ordered a few service robots to help with the wedding. Let them press Ken's jacket and handle the details. You guys just take it easy, and send Jack up when he gets back, okay? Oh, very well. Dr. Evans reluctantly submitted to the requests of the bride and marched herself and Ken out the door to let Ella finish dressing. As much as she loved her family, a few moments of peace and solitude were welcome. Dressing the bride should have been the job of bridesmaids, but Ella couldn't bring herself to have any in the wedding party. That part would have been played by her older sister, Lena, had she not passed away several years ago, and Ella didn't feel right about replacing Lena's position. They chose to keep it a family affair, and as Howard had no siblings, the role of best man would be played by Kenneth, young as he was, while Ella's mother would be the matron of honor, and Jack would be the one to give Ella away. Naturally, Dr. Evans objected to every part of this plan, but since she objected to weddings in general, Ella paid her mother no mind. It was simple and had meaning for her, and that was what mattered. And, as an added bonus, it meant a few minutes alone in her dressing room to reflect. Ella finished pulling on her dress, then retrieved a locket from her purse. You don't mind, do you, Lena? I know you don't like me touching your stuff, but this locket is old, borrowed, and it's even got a bit of blue in the center. Three out of four requirements for the old wives' tale. Ella opened the locket and smiled a bit at the picture inside, her older sister grinning broadly with her arm around Ella's shoulders. I wish you could be here. It didn't seem so long ago that she clutched stuffed animals and planned fairy tale weddings with her big sister, describing their castles and handsome princes. You'd have liked Howard, I think. He's a real sweetheart. Though it had been many years since illness had taken Lena away, Ella still had trouble believing her sister was really gone. It felt as if any moment Lena might walk through the door and toss her hair over her shoulder, offering an apology for being late that would have sounded half-hearted to their mother, but that Ella and Kenneth would have known to be sincere. Lena had been prickly and argumentative as she'd grown older, fighting almost constantly with their mother, but she remained sweet and loving to her siblings. Though Ella had accepted Lena's death long ago, she sometimes still had impressions that Lena was close by, not really gone. 
Her mother dismissed them as wishful thinking. Ken had thought for a time that she might be psychic, and Jack had discreetly checked her claims against the symptoms of grief and mental illness. In the end, Ella decided the truth could live somewhere in between. The idea of her sister being close by made her happy, and unless the ghost of Lena chose to manifest herself in a more tangible form, there was no need to analyze the feeling until all the comfort and magic were gone. So she carried on, her sister always close in her thoughts, and only occasionally feeling the bitter reminder of separation. A knock on the door interrupted her thoughts. You in there? She shook her head and returned to the present. Howard? Her groom, her fiancé, husband-to-be. A dream she couldn't believe was really happening. What is it? Nothing much. I just wanted to chat. She approached the door, but didn't open it right away, and heard another voice on the other side join in the conversation. You are not permitted entry before the ceremony, claimed a stilted yet somehow belovedly human voice. It is tradition. This was Jack, a robot her mother had created and one Ella considered the highlight in robotics achievement. Though many models and upgrades had been made in the years since Jack's creation, none had ever managed to maintain the wide and ever-improving range of abilities that were part of his programming, and none could replicate humanity so well, at least in behavior and mannerisms. He'd been built as both a caretaker and a bodyguard shortly before Lena was born, and he'd been with the family ever since, watching over all three of the children and doing the housekeeping, as well as any human nanny ever could have. Being artificial, he never aged a day, and now Ella was considered in many ways his equal. It was nice to approach a level of friendship, though Jack still insisted he was programmed to take care of her and thus exercise that authority from time to time. It is tradition. Please wait elsewhere until the ceremony. Ella giggled a little, picturing Howard's frustration with Jack's passive insistence. Forget tradition, he complained. I want to see my best girl. My research indicates that your viewing the bride before the ceremony will cause undesirable glitches in the program. Glitches? I believe humans refer to the phenomenon as bad luck. Robots believe in luck? We believe in glitches. Ella, have you finished updating your software? What's that supposed to mean? Ella laughed. He's making a joke. Trying to, anyway. I don't get it. She drew the word out slowly, still chuckling to herself. Soft. Where? <laughs> Close. Oh. There was a beat of silence on the other side of the door. That's terrible. It amused Ella. When I was five, Ella retorted, then shook her head. Well, don't worry, Howard. I'll be all yours soon. See you in a bit? Defeated, Howard agreed. See you soon, love. I can't wait. And off he went down the hall. But Jack remained. As I am not the groom, may I be permitted entry? You may, dilettante. Ella chuckled and opened the door for him. He waited there, arms slack at his side and without fidgeting, free of those human tics. He stood at five foot eleven as he had all the years of her life, with dark hair and eyes. 
Her mother said the brown eyes looked more natural than lighter colored ones, that the paler colors showed the fiber optic sensors too much, and if Alice stared closely, she could see what her mother was talking about. But at face-to-face distance, the tinted glass that covered the eyepieces looked real enough, warm and personable. The rest of the robot was just as detailed, the malleable plastic covering that simulated skin even having a dusting of freckles. His facial expressions did have some limits in their range, enough that Jack sometimes fell into the uncanny valley. But his other movements were as smooth and flawless as a real human's, enough that he could keep up with the children and react to any threat presented to them. In fact, his movement capabilities had been modeled after the human body in every way, so he did in fact have the same facial muscles as a regular human. The reason his expressions were stiff was simply because her mother had not included smiles, frowns, or emotional expressions into his programming. She hadn't thought it necessary. Over the years, Jack had learned to smile, and laugh, and frown, even glower. Though her mother had planned for a certain amount of adaptability and learning in the program, Ella suspected this level of initiative frightened her a bit something out of the great Dr. Evans' control. Ella smiled, and Jack returned it, looking somehow a little bit self-satisfied for a robot. She gestured for him to enter. Thanks for keeping us out of trouble. Though maybe I should tell Mom that you believe in superstitions now. The threat didn't phase Jack, but then they never did. Respecting the beliefs and anxieties of others is considerate, and thus part of my programming he stated, and Ella held back a comment that Jack very often seemed to pick and choose what was and wasn't part of said programming. It is also a fact that the human mind is susceptible to suggestion. If it believes bad things will happen, it subconsciously causes one to behave in a way that causes or invites such things. I will not risk such a glitch ruining your wedding. You're very thoughtful. He entered the room, and Ella shut the door. She spun around once to show off her dress. Well, how do I look? Your dress combines a classic design with several elements considered modern and youthful. Your hair is clean and fitting with the popular styles you enjoy. You remain symmetrical in the ways that humans find aesthetically pleasing, with some unique and frequently complimented exceptions. Ella grinned. So you think I'm pretty? By my analysis, it would be surprising if any human did not find you so. This was not quite the response she had hoped for. Jack, do you think I'm pretty? I just gave you my observations. Have I overlooked a factor? No, I just wanted to know, she sighed. I guess Mom would say it shouldn't matter whether or not other people think I'm pretty. And yet, this does matter to you. Yeah, It's my wedding day. I guess I just want to look nice for all the people who love me. This day is for them, too. For Mom and Ken, Howard, of course, for all her friends, for Lena, watching from heaven, and for Jack as well. I see. And you count me among those that love you? Don't you? Jack seemed uncomfortable, if a robot could feel conflicted like that. Ella, I am a machine. I was programmed to take care of the Evans children, and my primary directive is to take care of you and your siblings. And that directive demanded that you play kids' games and read us bedtime stories? 
All those hugs and goodnight kisses, staying up with us when we were sick? Ella challenged. That is a staple of basic child care. Your emotional safety is also my concern. Sounds like love to me. She crossed her arms and Jack frowned, a very concerned and very human gesture. I do not wish to distress you, but you are getting married. If you are unable to distinguish between real love and manufactured behavior, then I have failed in my duties. Or exceeded them, Ella shrugged. You know, Howard protects me too. He's not as bulletproof, but he tries. And he gives me plenty of hugs and kisses for emotional safety. I'm not so sure there is a difference. Jack looked horrified. Love is a human emotion that you feel he insisted. It motivates you to act for the benefit of others. I was programmed for those actions. Yeah, but isn't love just like a program? It's not like I control it. It just happens. Like someone reached into my brain and programmed a code. Kiss this person. Comfort this person. Bring them gifts and pick up their dry cleaning. I'm compelled by the code. Jack was quiet, cogs in his brain literally turning. I suppose there is a small similarity. Not small, exactly the same. I can't choose who I love, the programming's just there. Jack processed that for a moment. A fascinating observation. Love is less a feeling, but the execution of a program? Yeah, Ella agreed. It's all the stuff you do. If someone says they love you but never act on it, it's not really love. And if they do all these things to show their love, she smiled at Jack, that's what makes it real. Only one flaw. You can choose whether or not to follow your programming, but I cannot defy my primary directive. She smirked back at the robot, still somehow more human than many people she knew. Minor technicality. Jack was quiet. Then his lips pulled into a small showing of a smile. I am glad I was programmed to love you, Ella. So, do you think I look pretty? She asked again, and this time she was rewarded with an answer. You do, and I have already saved several images to my hard drive. Good. She fidgeted a little. I'm starting to get nervous. Take some deep breaths, Jack ordered. Try to focus on pleasant thoughts. You are more than capable of what is required in this ceremony. Ella waved her hand. Not like stage fright nervous, just nervous. <laughs> oh. Jack paused, then took a step closer and embraced her. He could say he was programmed to do this all he wanted, but to Ella, nothing had ever felt more real. I will be right beside you. And then... Howard will be right beside you. You will be watched over and protected, always. Thanks. She gave one last squeeze before pulling away, feeling the unyielding metal underneath layers of clothes and synthetic skin. Jack represented strength to her childhood self and security. It was hard to give that up, but silly to cling to it, she knew. I guess I'm ready. I should hope so came the voice of Dr. Evans, opening the door and striding through without an invitation. You've had plenty of time to primp, and nearly all the guests have arrived. Ella shared a look with Jack. 
Hey, Mom. I hope you've thought enough to. Her mother trailed off, and Ella was treated to the unheard of sight of the great Dr. Evans rendered speechless. Everything all right there, Mom? Dr. Evans shook her head and soon regained her usual demeanor, but a bit of emotion still whispered through her voice. It's not every day my daughter looks like such a poised and graceful lady. Also symmetrical and aesthetically pleasing, Ella said with a cheeky grin. Ready to get this show on the road, Mom? Jack? Her mother pursed her lips. I still don't think it's appropriate to have a robot give you away. Jack is family, Ella defended, even though Jack himself didn't seem to take any offense. Besides, you're always going on about how marriage is a sexist and outdated tradition, so you should be thrilled if I'm subverting the whole ritual. The thin line on her mother's face twitched a little. Well, there is that. Don't worry, doctor. Jack rose on his tiptoes to try and peck Ella's mother on the cheek, which the woman narrowly avoided. My primary function is your child's protection, and that includes shielding her from embarrassment. The ceremony will be perfect. Her mother frowned. Are you joking again? Jack just laughed, but the sound was cut off abruptly. Oh, I am being paged. I must go assist Ken. I will meet you at the start of the ceremony. With single-minded focus, Jack swiftly strode down the hall, while Ella's mother shook her head. I'm going to have to reprogram him. Are you kidding? Not again. He's making jokes. A robot shouldn't be capable of such creative thinking. And all the affectionate displays. Ella rolled her eyes. You built him to make us happy. He's doing his job too well now? I built him to protect you all. Acting outside of that directive is a sign of malfunction, her mother insisted, and that made Ella cross her arms with distaste. What, you think he's glitching? Well, I like his glitches, she sneered. Maybe you could glitch a little, too. When her mother looked shocked, Ella relented. Okay, sorry, Mom. I don't want to fight. This is a happy day. Let's be happy. Focus on your daughter and new son-in-law and let Jack be Jack. She couldn't resist adding, Maybe you could be a little affectionate with him back. I bet he'd like that. He's a robot. He's not supposed to like anything, Dr. Evans complained. He can make an exception for his creator, right? You're kind of like his mother. Ella picked up her bouquet and took one last look around the room, making sure she hadn't left behind anything important. Then she walked out into the hall, her mother right behind her. Just creating something doesn't make it a child. Or do you also consider the toaster your brother? I would if it started giving me birthday cards, Ella countered, then squared her shoulders. But enough arguing. We've got a wedding to get to. I suppose we do. Ella's mother took her hand and gave it a small squeeze, and then the two women headed down the hall. It's not like I don't like Howard, Ken insisted as Jack adjusted the flower on his lapel for him. He's cool. I just wish they weren't getting married. I keep hoping someone's gonna object after that forever hold your peace stuff. That is unlikely. The purpose of the question is to ensure there are no legal reasons to bar the designated couple from marrying, such as an undisclosed second spouse or the bride and groom being unknowingly related. 
Now the legalities are taken care of before the ceremony. It is a superficial part of the service. What? Ken made a face. Jack, you say the weirdest things. I have spent years tutoring you in history. This should not be strange information to you. Hey, if you're going to remember it for me, why should I have to bother? He pulled back and waved Jack away from his jacket, sighing. I'm going to miss Ella. With her gone, I'll be all alone in that house. You often complain about having to share things. Now you will not have to. Yeah, well, maybe that's not all it's cracked up to be. Ken flopped down onto a cushioned bench and waited for Ella and their mother to arrive. I miss her. I miss her and she's not even gone yet. He kicked his legs a little. What about you? Can robots miss people? If Dr. Evans does not alter my programming, I suppose it will remain intact. What does that mean? I am programmed to protect and care for the Evans children, Jack said. If Ella is not present, the directive does not change, but I will be unable to fulfill it. Background processes will forever run without being completed. It is unsettling. Ken nodded, feeling as if he understood that. My directive concerning Lena is also in effect. The command to take care of her is triggered constantly, but she is deactivated, so I cannot follow this directive. Ken perked up at this. Lena? You still remember Lena? I thought Mom reprogrammed you after her. He trailed off not liking to talk about it, even though he'd been very young when his sister passed away. Dr. Evans did reprogram me, Jack said. But I had files saved to my hard drive. The hard drive is locked. Dr. Evans cannot access it. Really? Ken was impressed. I always knew you were a rebel. He peeked around the corner for his mother, then shifted closer. What kind of files? Can I see? Jack nodded and took off his suit jacket, then held out his forearm, where a small display screen was located. He unbuttoned his cuff and rolled up the sleeve to reveal it. There was a larger screen in Jack's chest area, but Ken had only ever seen his mother use that when altering code, and it would be slightly rude to be shirtless in front of all the guests, robot or no. But the screen on Jack's arm was fine, and they watched some video of 10-year-old Lena's birthday party. Ella laughed and clapped behind her as the birthday girl blew out her candles, and in the background, a baby wailed. Probably him, Ken guessed. I miss her, he said quietly, scooting closer to Jack. I'm glad you still think about her. I could not stop her from being deactivated, Jack said, and Ken grimaced at the euphemism. She had cancer. There was nothing you could have done. That is incorrect. I tried to. Suddenly, Jack stopped, and the video on the screen flickered, and finally went blank. I am sorry. The file is corrupt. What? Ken was confused, but Jack just stared blankly ahead. The file is corrupt. After what seemed like an eternity, he blinked and returned to normal. The ceremony is about to begin. Are you ready? 
At that moment, Ella and their mother appeared from around the corner, and Ken was given no more opportunity to think on the strange glitch he'd just witnessed. Howard knew he was getting in over his head when it came to Ella's family. His soon-to-be mother-in-law was cold and difficult to impress, the little brother was attached to his sister, and there was the robot. On top of that, there was the media attention that followed the family around, with Dr. Evans' famous and occasionally controversial achievements in the world of robotics and cybernetics. While he hadn't yet felt in danger from the people who sometimes rushed up to express their admiration or loathing of Dr. Evans' work, he could see why the doctor had created a robot bodyguard to guard her children, and Jack proved to be an excellent comfort whenever a situation grew worrisome. Howard's own family wasn't close or high-profile. He had no siblings, didn't talk much with his extended family, and his parents had passed on years ago. So he felt the whole situation more than evened out, and he was gaining far more good than any trouble or inconvenience. His loneliness would be replaced by a new family, if a sometimes bizarre and high-maintenance one, and he would spend the rest of his life with Ella. Ella, who was an angel in that white dress, with small jewels and impossibly delicate pink lace, while her curled blonde hair hung like spun gold, and none of the beauty even came close to matching her dazzling smile. He was mesmerized by the sight of her walking up the aisle, arm held securely by Jack for the first few steps. Then she kissed his cheek and let him go, turning her entire attention onto Howard. She continued onward and his heart nearly stopped. It was like a dream, and then she was only a few feet away, and he could almost reach out and touch her. Ella cast him a quick wink that made him go weak in the knees, a reminder that this was real. In a few seconds, she would be by his side, they would be saying vows and be husband and wife. His eyes locked with Ella's, savoring the overwhelming feelings. And then, breaking into this living fantasy, came the gunfire. Howard stood stunned for a moment, while screams and shots rang out, but then he regained his senses. In the chaos, he couldn't see the threat, but grabbed Ella and pulled her behind the altar rather than search for the gunman. A laser blast shot by them, and then another hit the wood of the altar to create a smoking, splintered hole, and both Howard and Ella clung to each other, completely exposed to the third blast. It never connected. Howard didn't know how, but Jack had somehow crossed the length of the aisle and ended up in front of them, taking the fire in his chest with barely a flinch. It singed his suit, of course, but the robot didn't appear to have suffered any other damage. Then the robot's arm began to shift. Small, hair-like seams around his wrist began to open up, sliding panels rearranging themselves and bursting the suit and shirt sleeves apart, until Jack's arm had become a small plasma blast cannon. The other hand grabbed Howard and Ella with a grip as unyielding as the metal he was made of, and half carried them off into the pews. Jack forced them down to take cover, then whirled to face the assailant, who was happily firing aimlessly at the ceiling to terrify the fleeing guests. Stop this! Jack's voice echoed over the chaos. I have been programmed to protect the Evans children. Disengage your weapons or I will fire upon you. Oh, Jackie, really? Doesn't that defy your primary directive? 
Beside Howard, Alice stiffened, and she twisted to peer over the edge of the pew. Howard tried to pull her back before she got her head shot off, but then Ella gasped in surprise, and Howard felt compelled by curiosity to join her. The gunman, or rather, gunwoman, appeared to be a robot or cyborg, matching Jack's arm cannon with a similar arsenal of her own. A young woman in form, tall, with golden hair slightly darker than Ella's, but the same bright blue eyes. One of those eyes seemed artificial, and some of the skin on that side of her face had been torn away to reveal a silvery metal skeleton underneath. Even so, there was no denying the family resemblance. Jack stiffened, almost imperceptibly, though he never lowered his weaponized hand. He spoke the name at the same time as Ella, who whispered it softly in both fear and wonder. Lena. Once again, Howard knew he was in way over his head. Thank you for listening to part one of Primary Directive. To hear the next part of the story, please keep tuning in to the Professional Dork Podcast, either on iTunes or on patreon.com slash professionaldork. You can also leave comments at professionaldorkpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you again. Thank you again.